Yo, Rob Harvilla from 60 Songs That Explain the 90s here to inform you that we are back with 30 more songs because the 90s were super long and had a ton of rad music. Please join us every Wednesday for more 60 Songs That Explain the 90s only on Spotify. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin Birdo! What's going on, buddy? How's your fourth? Everything was great. We are going to be watching basketball in person Oh yeah. later this week, as oh, yeah. it is the week of the beginning of the Las Vegas Summer League. We will get to that here in a little bit, but free agency did open up last week. We talked about the first round of free agency. Um, We are going to get to some of the uh, trades that have taken place since we last spoke. But before that, I just want to ask you, what do you make of the initial wave? And then everything is really just calm down and it's like it's going to stretch out and it's like every once in a while I'll look at the list like hey where did that guy like, end up? TJ Warren TJ Warren going to Brooklyn like right. we find that out this morning right like where did that guy end up where did that guy end up like names that we had brought up or names that I had thought of and the answer is they haven't ended up anywhere yet right like I was like hold on has there been any like Colin Sexton news that has come out like what what's going on with the Aiton thing it was like Free agency hit, the Durant news hit, and then we had this wave of free agent signings really quickly, and now everything is just kind of calmed down, and here's a news bite here, here's a news bite here. What do you make of the fast and furious beginning, and now it's just here and there some news coming out about team building? The one player that's intriguing why there's been nothing finalized is Harden for me. But like with DeAndre Ayton, we know that's tied to the Kevin Durant situation. Right. Um, even with Colin Sexton, I wonder what type of resolution we're waiting for there. Right. Uh, like how, how does he tie into all of this happening with KD and the potential destinations he could go to? Because with Ayton, it's obvious. Um, but like of the top names, that's all that's remaining, right? I mean, we got mostly everything. Most of the names yeah. that are 
like free agents, free agents. Um, Montrez Harrell, another one. Well, you know, like that, that Brogdon stuff was out there for a long time and that trade took place. The other one that has not, that I was driving around the other night and I don't know why he came to my mind, but it was John Collins. And I'm yeah. like, well, that was in the news every day. And there's been no resolution to that. So, like, when's the John Collins deal taking place? And so, yeah, that's a good point with Collins. I mean, how, how long? Have I mean, we that's been a hearing, big one. Yeah, how long? That's have a we needle been mover. I mean, there was multiple reports saying he will be traded before the draft or during the draft, and that's still lingering on. Right. He, I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, he could be tied into some three team, four team, five that's team right. mega trade. So yep. could Sexton, for that matter. Right. So I think um, with some of these guys, um, I mean, like we talked about on Friday's show, the Miles Bridges situation, he'll likely remain unsigned. Even Montrez Errol facing felony drug charges, he's staying unsigned for that reason, too, I'm sure. Um, but like with Harden, with Sexton, with Aiton, got a number of guys still out there. I wonder how much this ties to Kevin Durant. Well, and not only guys, like I said, like those are. Those are guys that could move the needle, like that did, could change a team's outcome. Um, as you mentioned, there is that like Harden thing uh, that's still out there, the Aiton Bridges. We just got TJ Warren. Um, yeah, and then most of the names after that are not not big names, right? You've got some of these veteran guys that it's like, well, will they sign somewhere? Or will they not? Like guys that were really good like five, six years ago. Um, whether it's Blake Griffin or Lamarcus Aldridge or Dwight Howard or Hassan Whiteside, you know, on and on, <laughs> like names like that. Um, and so we'll see some level of resolution with a lot of these guys, but you might be right. Maybe it all maybe a lot of it does tie in with each other. You know, it's just kind of confusing when you get to say, like the Aiton situation or the Sexton situation, doesn't that make you feel like, okay, the resolution is not that they are going to be with the teams that they were with. Because if the resolution was that they were going to be with those teams, then what's going on? Still a possibility. I mean, like let's let's say the Suns don't land KD. Yeah. Maybe Aiton has no other option but to re-sign with the Suns. Or like that's the best option on the table for him. Maybe I'll just end up like just being dead wrong about this. But on the KD front, it just seems really strange to me that there was the report that, you know, Rich Kleiman, his uh, business manager, and Marx were working in tandem to try to find a resolution, to try to find a trade. So you've got the agent working out there in conjunction with the management. So you got you got two different sides scouring the league, trying to put together a deal, trying to put together a good landing spot. And so you can either say there's a bunch of possible deals and they're all laying on the table and now they're going to decide which one they want to take. Or you could say they scoured the whole league, they got all of the deals and they're looking at them and none of them are good enough. And don't you think that it puts a wrench in it with what happened? Let's just dive right into it. Don't you think it puts a wrench into it with the Rudy Gobert trade? Because in fairness, if you are Sean Marks and you go, 
well, I can't very well take a worse deal than what Utah just got from Minnesota. They're not going to get a worse deal. It's like not even a concern. I mean, I think that if that type of deal would have taken place for Kevin Durant, the reaction would not have been wild. I that 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 Gobert got Kevin Durant returned. That's what that's what Utah got. They got Durant returned for Gobert. Are you sure? I mean, yes. I, I mean, here's why I ask if you're sure, Chris, because we saw Drew Holiday go for three first. Gobert goes for five. Okay. I mean, to me, I'm expecting like I, I the article's not up yet, but like I have an article out today about like kind of making the case for like the non Suns Heat teams for Kevin Durant, right? Like what are the what are the other teams? I talk about the Pelicans. And and I make a note in there like the Pelicans could give up eight first round draft picks and still have five left over because they have thirteen over the next seven years. And that you can't say that about any other realistic destination for him. Right. And and like eight feels reasonable to me for Kevin Durant with four years left on his contract. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like that's the way I'm I'm operating and thinking about the situation here. Now when you consider Holiday got three. A DeJounte Murray return was around the same ballpark. Gobert's five, essentially, because you want to factor in Walker Kessler. He's a rookie. He's basically a first-round draft pick. I mean, they gave up 23, 25, and 27 unprotected with 29 top five protected and Walker Kessler. You might as well call it five first-round draft picks they gave up for right. Rudy Gobert. So I think with Durant, my expectation would be seven or eight or nine of like equal value. Maybe there's a young player in there that kind of counts as a first round pick. Um, but like that's that's the way I'm looking at it, Chris, with this situation here for the Nets here is this is gonna be a historic haul. That's what it's gonna be if they end up reaching a deal. I mean, it would be like nothing we have ever <laughs> seen before. I mean, we've never seen any of this. Well, in fairness, it has not worked out well. It hasn't worked out well. When What's you that? were the one that is on loading the picks. We talked about this because this is the fear. Let's talk about from the Brooklyn side. Brooklyn is exactly that team that gave up a ton of picks. Mm -hmm. And now they're in a weird spot, right? Because it's like, okay, if we bought them out, I guess it's an option to still. It worked for the Lakers, though, Chris. I I just got to say that real quick. It did work for the Lakers. They gave up all that for AD and they did win a title. They did win the title, but they have also missed the playoffs. The last couple, you know what I mean? Like it, and they didn't get to have a parade. And so it's like, <laughs> I know they won that one title in the bubble, but you didn't get the full experience of winning the title. It's too bad they couldn't have had a title, right? Uh, a parade. That's really too bad. They probably still couldn't have a parade. I don't even know if they would, uh, I don't even know if they'd let them bring Kuzma have, back, have a parade now. But yeah, I, I, I think that, well, let's get into the Rudy trade. Like, look, I'm sure you said you were really looking forward to this podcast. You are. Never Why would I not be? A- any anytime I have an opportunity to talk about the greatness of Rudy Gobert, I'm I know always you looking do. forward to it. I <laughs> I hated this trade with the fires of seven hells. I uh, it's unfathomable to me. I hate the fit in Minnesota. I hate that they broke up what they had. I hate that the amount that they gave up for him 
to me, it's new ownership, new GM, um, tearing up something that didn't need to be torn up. I just covered this team in the playoffs. You know, throughout the regular season, they sneaky had one of the best lineups in the entire NBA. Uh, throughout the regular season, that lineup that they had, because of course I had to deep dive into the Wolves and then I saw them up close and personal uh, throughout those playoffs. But they had that, they had that lineup uh, that included Patrick Beverly, um, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Towns, Anthony Edwards, and Jared Vanderbilt. And we talked about it a lot on the show. And I thought this great combination of the guys that need shots and the guys that don't need shots, offense and defense. And when you look up throughout the regular season of the lineups that played significant minutes throughout the season as a five-man unit, the only five-man units in the entire NBA that were better than that Minnesota lineup were Boston's Horford, Smart, Jalen, Tatum, and Williams. Phillies, James Harden, uh, Tobias Harris, Embiid, Thibel, and Maxi, And Dallas's Reggie Bullock, Dwight Powell, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, and Luka Doncic. That's it. That's the three. There were three five-man lineups in the entire NBA that were better than the five-man unit that Minnesota put out there the most. And it led to their greatest success in a long time. So to me, especially when my best player is 20 years old, I'm not trying to make a win now, win, you know, the next three or four years as much as I am. Okay, here's what I've got. This was highly successful. That's not what I need to change. What I need to change, I need to augment that. But what I've got as that first five-man unit is not good. It's outstanding. It's the fourth best in the league. So how do I take that and then build around that? Because I got something great going. And what they did is they walked in and they tore that up. They tore that up, which is what made them good. And I promise you, they ain't going to have a lineup that's one of the top five in the NBA. And they did. And so to me, it was, that's a fool's errand. Not only did you give up an absolute fortune, you, you tore up a lineup that was incredibly successful and also very good. It's not like it didn't sustain. Still very good. You know, that series with Memphis was a series that you could easily look back and say that was their first go-round. That was Edward's first go-round. And look, I was viewing it through the other side. Minnesota had every right to say we should have won that series. We should have won. We blew it. We blew that series. And and I think they would be rightfully so. Uh, in Rightful in believing that. And so I don't understand ripping that up. And in order to go get Rudy Gobert, who, you know, isn't playing second round basketball almost any year. 
I'm sure you feel different. That lineup, now you're replacing Jared Vanderbilt with Rudy Gobert. Okay. You're also taking out Pat Bev out of yeah, the situation. I mean, I mean, that's fine. But like, Patrick Beverly is a good, tough, gritty, on-ball defender. Um, but I think for this team, as Anthony Edwards continues to grow, you want him to become more on ball. You want you want this team to grow in that way with him. You now you add Kyle Anderson, you add Rudy Gobert, you still have Jaden McDaniels. I look at I look at this front court. I'm less worried about I'm less worried about the perimeter guards like Derek White and Marcus Smart in the finals against Stephen Curry, the guy you might have to get past. They can't stop Steph. So can't Patrick Beverly. Like nobody that can stop these great perimeter scorers. Um, that's not to devalue what they do. It's important to disrupt, um, to make their offensive actions not run as smoothly or as crisp uh, as the offense hopes. They're important in that sense. But sometimes there's just nothing you can do. I think to me, like the most important part for the Minnesota Timberwolves here. Is the amount of front court versatility they're going to have now? Like when you have Cat, Gobert, McDaniel's, Kyle Anderson, you know the value in Anderson with what he can provide. Loved the signing. I thought that was great for them. Great, yeah, it's great signing. Jaden McDaniel's one of the better defenders in the entire NBA, and with Rudy Gobert, he's not going to be in the type of role that he was in in Utah. He's not going to just be dropping in the pick and roll. Defending every action. Sometimes it's going to be Cat, and now you're going to see Rudy Gobert in the Vanderbilt role, where he's defending that guy who's in the corner three spot. Sometimes he's on the wing, and he's going to be in a position to help and disrupt around the basket, or help outside and like on dribble handoff action, shade over a little bit more and cause issues in that in that type of way. Rudy Gobert paired with Cat now is you're going to see different sides of him, and on offense, you might say, well. Gobert hurts your spacing. But that offensive lineup you just laid out, you had Jared Vanderbilt on there who does not shoot threes, who did, quote-unquote, hurt your spacing and did not negatively impact their offense. They still shredded teams with Jared Vanderbilt, Jared Vanderbilt out there. And I think for them now, the way they're looking at it, you say their best player is 20 years old and Ant, and you're right. Like he is their, their best overall talent on their roster. Cat, only two years left on his deal. There's got to be at least a little bit of urgency to try to push things and win with him because you have this supreme. Say what you want about Cat, like the criticisms of Cat and his defense, the whining, the complaining. That you can feel that way all you want, but offensively, this dude is a brilliant player, seven footer who can shoot the way he does, who can attack off the bounce and score inside. Cat is unbelievable, and now you pair him with Gobert who's going to have D'Lo and Anthony Edwards giving them the best lob threat, the best roller that the NBA's had in the last four or five years. So you're going to help out D'Lo and Ant by having Gobert. You're helping out Cat because now when teams are worrying about having to help on Gobert rolls, Cat's getting kickout passes behind the three-point line and able to either shoot or attack. To me, Gobert, like he was in Utah, is somebody who enhances the players around him makes life easier on certain players, and also just fortifies your defense in ways that so few players can. So it's a lot to pay. It's a big gamble on Anthony Edwards being 20 and Carl Anthony Towns still having you know some ways that he needs to grow. But I think Gobert is the type of player who can help those young guys grow even more and become the full versions of themselves. To me, this is not just an investment and, oh, Rudy Gobert is our final piece. 
to me, this is also an investment in like, hey, let's make let's make Edwards better. Let's give him a weapon. Let's make D'Lo better if we're gonna have to hold on to him. Let's make him better. That that's the way I'm. To me, even more space it. is what though Edwards was so successful because of the space that was created by Towns being out at the three point line. You know, I watched them in that in that playoff series. You think about it through this. The reason that Stephen Adams, who led the league in offensive rebounding, he was unplayable. He wasn't even out there. This was an essential part of Memphis's success this year that was not able to get on the court because what they bring to the table when they can play CAD at center is so disruptive because now they're the ones spacing you five out. And it's like, now, like, you think you're close, closing playoff games with both? You talk about what Gobert and how much better he makes those. I don't think that's what's closing games. And so now you're going to look up in a couple of years, you got to pay him $47 million for a guy that, to me, like, he makes your center irrelevant if he's not, like, the mobile guy. I'm talking Cat does. Like, he is that weapon being able to have not only a guy that can stand out at the three-point line, but can shoot it, like, at a very high clip. To me, that creates such an issue that now is mitigated by wanting to get this other guy, this other center who is everything happens within five feet of the basket on the court. Now I can play my big plotting center. But but this is what I mean, rebounds. Chris. This is what I'm saying. You don't always have to finish with Rudy Gobert. If you're if you're the Minnesota, well, Timberwolves, what am I paying him forty five million dollars? I, 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 I get it. I get it. I understand like the point, the money. I get that. I I do. But like this is what I'm saying for Chris Finch. Y- you have so many different combinations that you can use depending on what gives you the best chance to win. They're gonna have games in the postseason where Rudy doesn't finish. It's, it's inevitable. They're gonna. There might be certain series where he does finish. Maybe you're facing Denver. Maybe you're in the NBA Finals and you're going against a beat. I have no idea. But there might be certain situations where you do. Maybe they use him a little bit differently. Maybe they're maybe they're actually feeding him some of those interior chances when he has Clay Thompson sealed off underneath the rim. Maybe it's different. It looks different because it's totally different personnel here. Can, let me ask you a question. And how does this not crowd things when you were talking about Edwards? How does this not crowd things for Edwards when Edwards did it is with Vanderbilt? Devast- did it with Vanderbilt? No, what you think Jared Vanderbilt is some kind of devastating driver to the basket? No, what do you I'm saying? What do you mean I'm by talking crowd, about Edwards? What do Edwards you mean by crowd a, things then? Edwards is a de- because now there are guys down there. Yeah, but there were with Vanderbilt too. When they there really weren't. Vanderbilt was kind of extended dunker spot. If you go back and watch. Hey, Gobert's gonna be in the same spot. Edwards had a bunch of this whole like he's just like Jared Vanderbilt is not true. Jared Vanderbilt no, could he's at not. least he, be ten feet away from the basket. He's not, but he's he's gonna be playing in that type of role. Sometimes he's, he's never gonna be spread out. And they do you may not guard him, but Vanderbilt was more spread out than Gobert. Yeah, but it, it matters where you guard or not, you know. You know, and to me, you've got whoever is that center, now you're just drawing them. Whoever is the rim protection for that team, that guy's going to get to be close to the basket now instead of way away from the basket. That's how I view this. And that is not the guy that was guarding Jared Vanderbilt. You didn't use your rim protector on Jared Vanderbilt. 
You're using Big a rim protector on Rudy Gobert. The Grizzlies, so now you're, the Grizzlies might not. Now everybody, everybody's rim protector is guarding Rudy Gobert. What are you talking about? No, I'm saying last year. A- anybody, any team. Well, Chris, I, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. What I'm saying is, last year sometimes you did have your rim protector guard Jared Vanderbilt. What's that? See the defense. Like sometimes the rim protector was defending Vanderbilt, but not Cat. Almost all the way across the board, if you watch these teams play, and I'm not talking about a specific team. I'm talking about everybody. You know what I mean? You now have drawn your whoever, your big guy. You have somebody big. It's not a diminutive player that's playing against Gobert. And now he is functionally close to the basket at all times. Whereas when they played Cat at center, that was not so. Therefore, you create the epic amount of space for. Anthony Edwards. And usually people would just hide a defender on, uh, that is the difference between Vanderbilt and Gobert. You can't just hide a defender on Rudy Gobert. You could hide a defender on Jared Vanderbilt and just say whatever he does, he does. So I just think you have to view everything through the prism of what is the best fit with Anthony Edwards, and I just don't see that. I don't see how that, how crowding the lane is good for Edwards. Yeah, but you're talking. But like, what I, what we're talking about is one specific situation. What I'm talking about is the the range of of options they have. Like, can we acknowledge that Gobert is going to be a weapon for Edwards in the pick and roll? I don't know if I've ever seen Anthony Edwards throw a lob to anyone. Okay, now he has Mike Conley didn't either, and maybe he will. And then Mike Conley and Gobert became one of the NBA's most efficient pick and roll duos in the, in, in the entire league. And so now Anthony Edwards, like, can we agree that Rudy Gobert could be of assistance to Ant in the pick and roll? I suppose it's possible. Andy, though? Uh, I would be stunned if he's on that roster next year. D'Lo, you still think mm-hmm. a trade could happen? Yeah, I mean, like, at this point, they're obviously... I don't know about this Most point. Most GMs, we've talked about this for years, most GMs come in and they want their own team. Couple of them stick around, so they obviously they extended Cat. They gave him the deal. They're going to do everything they can with Edwards, but the rest of the parts, a lot of those, you know, get flipped out. And I just think in this particular case, it was a mistake to flip out a lot of the parts because I think that to sacrifice depth and to sacrifice, you did have something really good going, and I do think that you could build around him. I thought the Anderson thing was a great, great start. Um, in terms of another piece, another guy that is outstanding when he is surrounded by shooters, which is what they have. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. What about on the other side? Do you like it for Utah? Do you just like the trade all the way around? Do you like it for Utah and do you like it for I mean, of, co- of course you like it for Utah with the amount of picks that they're getting. And I mean, because just in the same way you're acknowledging it's a, it's a massive risk for Minnesota to give up all that draft capital. Um, for Utah to get what they did is a huge win. 
And some of the players that you're talking about, Vanderbilt is a, is a nice piece to have. Um, like I, I think even Beverly, getting somebody like him on their now younger roster, if you do keep Donovan Mitchell, have him in the backcourt with him. I mean, it's nice to have some, uh, you know, at least someone who can bother the opponent on the perimeter, which they haven't had in a long time. So yeah, I like it for Utah. If I'm more, if I'm them, the question now is, what's my appetite to keep Donovan Mitchell? If like there's equal or even better deals out there in terms of value for him from other teams, like are, are you trying to blow it up all the way right now, Chris, or are you kind of you do want to kind of you know redo the roster around Mitchell and see how things look with him at least through the deadline? That's what I would do. See how it looks. Yes, I agree with you. I would, I would I'd try to build with Mitchell in mind. 100% and I would agree. say, okay, I've got this outstanding player that now I need to figure out what, what is the best way to build around him. I am much higher on Mitchell. I think you are too. I mean, I, I, I'm just much higher on Mitchell than I think he's gotten down talked way too much. I've always been a fan of his. I think he is a dynamic player who has showed up in the playoffs. Um, and I want that guy on my team. I think he is, I think he is better than maybe he has gotten credit for recently. I understand the, uh, the defensive misgivings, but I think he is a powerhouse. I think he's a great, great player. And I do think that if I can try to build around him, uh, yeah, I'd try that first. I'd try that first before blowing the entire thing up. You know, uh, yeah, that's what that's I think that's I think that's what I do. And then you try to, you know, you try to pull off where one day like you still got Paul Pierce. But, you know, if we're doing the whole Windhorse thing, <laughs> what is going on in Utah? <laughs> if we're doing that. Yeah, a lot of that the first time around was yanked apart. These are teams you grew up with, right, Kev? And you had all this young stuff. You had Al Jefferson. And you had these teams that weren't going to win. But you still had Paul Pierce there. It was like, all right. It's not like he went and got all of them. You know, Pat Riley. He still had Dwayne Wade there. And then he went and got LeBron and Bosh. So I think if you're Danny Ainge, you sit there and go, all right, Mitchell's my Pierce. Now I got to figure out how I'm getting the others. Right. Because once upon a time, you got to have the first piece. You can't have none. And so they had Pierce and Pierce wasn't going to win anything. But then he was able to rebuild it, get the hit on some draft picks, get some guys that were good. And then he was able to flip that. Next thing you know, they got Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen flanking Paul Pierce. And I don't know if that, you know, obviously that's extreme, but. Can you, if you're Danny Ainge, with that in mind, say, all right, I've got Donovan Mitchell. Now I've got to be able to use this other capital in order to build around him. And he's done it before. He has done it before. Right? I guess twice. He's done it. He's built it up. I mean, he's, one, he's one of the greatest general managers in sports history, Danny Ainge is. How do you think he works? I was, I was having a discussion with a friend. Uh, the other day when that trade went down. And I was like, they got, damn, I mean, basically five first rounds. It's a great deal. It is. And and he's like, 
Do you think he's just one of those guys? The guy I was working with, uh, or what I was with, was in, he's a finance guy. He's like, you think he's one of those guys that's just like, all right. Um, I went to my owner. I've got, uh, you know, I think he's going to okay this. I think he probably is one of those guys that like keep saying he went back to the, you know how the, you know, if you ever buy a car, they keep going back to the manager and then they come back and then they go back to the manager and come back. I think Danny's <laughs> probably that guy that says, I went to my owner and came back. And most of the time he's probably lying. He probably even never, never <laughs> went, he probably never even went to his owner, but he's like, he'll do it. But we need another first round pick. <laughs> and then he comes back, he says, all right, I'm almost there, but we need like another. We need another player or another first round pick, right? Ryan Smith loves Rudy. He doesn't want to let Rudy go. I, I, I'm sorry. And, and so, <laughs> and so now you're like so close to the finish line. I think this is this would be my guess, without knowing that Danny Ainge works like this. You are right there at the finish line, and you've got a deal. And then he lays down the hammer and says, "Look." If we can get one first, one more first rounder, we'll do it. If not, then we got to walk away. I'm sorry. It's like we got to have Walker Kessler. Just let me know. Or no Walker Kessler. We're not yep. doing the deal. Yes. <laughs> Just let me know. And then the other guy <laughs> wants what he wants so bad that he's like, "All right, fine." And next thing you know, you've given up five first round picks, right? He's he's just worn you down. And the next thing you know, you're like, "Oh shit." I just gave <laughs> like because you just wanted it, right? I just wanted it. To All me, right, Chris. To, to me, Chris. This is a bet on Anthony Edwards. Mm. That's what this is. This is a bet on your twenty-year-old superstar still on his rookie contract, and you're trying to win games with him now. That's to me. That's what this is about. And I know with Rudy Gobert, you say the forty-seven million dollars, which isn't until. 25, 26. He's making 38 this coming season. Um, but like that deal for Gobert expires in 2026. At that point, with Anthony Edwards, it's just going to be year two of his rookie max extension. So like it's, it's not like this is limiting you for a decade. We've got Cat's thing too. It, it, it can accelerate things quicker. Yeah, Cat, you do have uh, in 2024. So, right. like, so like, what, what, I, what I'm saying is, is, like, to me, this is a bet on the youth of this team with what we saw from Anthony Edwards in the playoffs against Memphis. Didn't that look like a guy to you that is a prime candidate to take a leap this year to go from, oh, yeah, oh. really, really nice 20, 21 point per game guy? No, and that's my thing on this. I love Edwards. Yeah, I, I would. Don't be you want to give him a chance to win? I I would be building with him in mind. I'd I'd love to think that this is all about basketball. I just don't believe that. I just don't. I'm talking about the way it all fits. You think it's an ownership splash? Yeah, I think this is. Glenn Taylor's got a year or two left. He wants to win. The new guys want to win. They want to show off the new Ferrari. You know, so you got new owners that want to win. They got a real weird deal going on there. Right where the the transfer of power doesn't take place, so you got the end of Glenn Taylor, the beginning of the new guys, and a new GM that came in that wants to have his own team. He don't want to live off of what was already built. He every GM wants their own thing that they're responsible for. 
I did that. I did that. I did that. Sometimes it works yeah. out. Sometimes it doesn't. But I think that that's where that that's what all adds up to how this happens, right? And that if you were in a different place with ownership, with management, let's say Gerson Rosas never gets in trouble. Let's say you know that the the A Rod deal maybe it's a couple of years out, or maybe the transfer of power has already taken place. I think that you've got a lot of extenuating circumstances beyond just sitting at a table and going, what's best for my 20-year-old budding star? This is, we want to win now. And that's the question, Kevin. Did this trade just put you directly in the middle? You are going to be good. Make no mistake about it. You're going to be good, and there's a level of competency that they want to reach. I was listening to my buddy, John Krasinski. He went on with Zach Love. They have never been good three years in a row. They're about to be. They're about to be. At this point, yeah, just being good. And you are always one that only cares about championships. Yep. And I think Rudy Gobert is a championship player. Oh, come on. He's not a second-round player. He got beat with a team without Kawhi Leonard and then got beat with a team without Luka Doncic. Yeah, but, like, it's the, the Jazz got beat. Not just Rudy Gobert. But it's he's not an the, individual what, game. first or second-best player in your mind? Yeah, yeah, of course. But, like, it's... Then I mean, it has I, to lay on him. But we've talked. Of course, of course it's on him. And, of course, if he, of course, he has limitations, too. We don't sit there and say Peyton Manning yeah. got beat. We Chris, say, or uh, the, Chris, the Broncos Chris, got you're, beat. you're right. Like, oh, by the way, it's different with a quarterback with how important they are to their team. But, like, okay. with Gobert, with Gobert, he does have limitations. I, I feel like, like it's obvious. People know his limitations. We know he's not, like, he can't do anything on the perimeter offensively. He's not a shooter, not a ball handler. He shoots below 50% when he dribbles more than once. Gobert has limitations. So how's this a championship player? Because of what he provides on defense. And now it's in a situation where he actually has some backline support on defense. Jaden McDaniels, Kyle Anderson, Carl Anthony Towns. Even D'Lo last year was good in help in the situation they used him in roaming off ball last year. The team has actual pieces on defense to help mitigate if he's switched onto the perimeter in the pick and roll like he often was in Utah. And behind him is Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and like a bunch of smaller defenders or ineffective defenders, Jordan Clarkson. Minnesota has such better personnel where if Gobert's on the perimeter, you're okay with it because Gobert has become individually a good perimeter defender as a seven-footer. He's not some stopper. He's not. He's not even Jaden McDan. Uh, he's not even Jared Vanderbilt on the perimeter. I don't know, man. I thought. I th- maybe I'm just wrong. I thought Beverly and Vanderbilt were both outstanding defenders, but they're uh, not Rudy Gobert. All right. Well, all I know is when when Rudy when, Rudy Rudy, Rudy Gobert Memphis Memphis lost because they weren't good enough. But I mean, John Morant was scoring 50 points against Utah. Minnesota looked made Morant look as bad as he's ever looked. Last year with their personnel. I mean, these are the kind of guys that you have to deal with when you get to the playoffs. I watched him score 50 points against, or 47 against Utah, most of which were in the paint while Rudy Gobert was playing. And then the next year, I mean, he was, he was struggling against Minnesota. Minnesota did not have some kind of terrible defense. And in fact, their point of attack defense was pretty damn good. And both, both they had some they had some deficiencies, but I thought uh, I thought Beverly and Vanderbilt were both good defenders, really good. You know what I mean? And again, it all just kind of fit, you know, with their stars and their role players and a pecking order. 
to me. And by the way, Minnesota played drop against Ja. No. They they played uh almost every single time he was seeing a second guy by the time he would get to the elbow. And that's not drop. And he's not they're not all the way. They nobody was standing in front of the back. And to be fair, they did mix it up. They they played a little drop, they switched some, they blitzed some, they they did switch up their defense a lot against Ja. Yeah, he saw two guys all the time. But that's what I'm saying, Chris. Like they still retain that flexibility. They except now it's with, with Rudy Gobert. They still have that flexibility in terms of the types of defense that they can play, the types of lineups that they can put on the floor. Now with Gobert, like you talk about needing to finish with him in Utah, that was the case in Utah. They didn't have anybody behind him you could rely on. With Minnesota, now sometimes you can go with a cat McDaniel's front court. Sometimes you can go with Gobert, Cat, McDaniels with jumbo size lineups. You can play smaller. You can play bigger. I'm excited to see, see the way Finch is going to use different types of lineups and how that's going to dictate the types of scheme that they use. Do you think that deal ensures you getting to the second round of the playoffs? I have no idea. I can't. I can't well, make those. How fruit. can you give up five? Yeah, first yeah round but like picks. it doesn't. Nothing assures Bro, if anything. If I'm giving up five first round picks, I better be competing for a title. Nothing assures anything, Chris, in, the, in this loaded league right now. I mean, like if you're Minnesota, you just might get the Warriors in the first round. Like I don't know who they're going to face in the in the first round of the playoffs. I can't make that prediction on paper. Yeah, Minnesota's equipped to go to the second round with the team that they have, but that also requires further improvement from Anthony Edwards. Like to me, this deal isn't just about the 2023 playoffs. It's about Anthony Edwards growing into the prime of his career and becoming the player that you hope he becomes as a number one pick by maybe this season, maybe next year. But to me, it's about Anthony Edwards more than anything else and a big bet on him and the player that he can become. That's the way I look at it. It's a bet on Anthony Edwards. Yeah, and I look at it completely differently. I think this is not a bet on him because that is not the problem. And, and you look at him. more of you look at it more of an ownership. Flex. Yeah, yeah, and I just don't think that's a basketball f- the the most natural basketball fit. If I got Anthony Edwards, I'm trying to create the maximum amount of space. That's what I'm trying to do. And so, fine if you want to say, well, Vanderbilt didn't do that. Fine, to chuck out Vanderbilt, find you another guy that can pop threes that is going to be honored. 25 feet away from the basket. Because I'm telling you this, can't nobody stay in front of that guy. Nobody. But spacing isn't always what the Rockets did. Sometimes it's having, you know, a screen and roller like Gobert, who's forcing defenders to collapse inside and that's opening up kickout passes and kickout passes are opening up spot-up threes or driving kick opportunities, shots at the rim. You know, like that. that's... I think the Gobert factor, again, like the versatility on defense we're talking about applies on offense in the sense that sometimes you'll have <laughs> Gobert just hanging around the dunker spot. Sometimes he's going to be off the floor and you're going to be going with the five-out spacing lineups. But that's the benefit of the amount of options that you have on the roster in that front court. Like that, that like Gobert has never had teammates with size like he will have in Minnesota. Like Finch, Finch is going to be able to get... For a reason. Why is that? Because it's too big in this in this day and age in the NBA. One of them gets played off the court. The now Boston, what? Yeah, the Boston just went to the NBA Finals with Al Horford and Robert Williams. Right, and and a lot of times they couldn't, by the time it got to the highest level, they couldn't play them together. Next year, it, Milwaukee could be back there with rolling out Brooke Lopez with Giannis. 
they they throw out a three big lineup sometimes. Like you don't like just and they the had Warriors, to bail for Portis. I mean, we can go through this all, across the board. You know, where it's like by the time you get to the playoffs, it's really hard. It's really hard to play two. I'm talking like guys that do most of their damage close. And Horford is more of an outside. You know, he guards people out to the three-point line and he stretches the floor by shooting threes. You know, the reason he he's more in the power forward role when he's out there with Rob Williams. It's not like they're sometimes, but you know, sometimes, and I understand but, that's how Towns will be too. But sometimes Horford's defending the interior big. That's what, like, this For is sure. what I mean. Like, I think like that, like the versatility Boston had, sometimes Horford would be defending on the posts. Yep. Other times he'd be chasing, you know, even Steph around. You know what? Hey, and roll look, Kev, it might end up working <laughs> out, and I may have to come back and just say I'm wrong. And we talked about how this league has gone big, and that you look around and you look at the bigs that you're going to have to get past, and the bigs that you're going to have to deal with. And yes, the Warriors aren't the greatest example of that, but size could really hurt them, right? I could see how if you walk in with Towns and Gobert, now you're just sizing up so much that it's your advantage. I agree. That was one of their biggest weaknesses was rebounding. And now yep. they have one of the best rebounders in Rudy Gobert. But when we got to the highest level, it was the small balls. You know what I mean? It was I mean it, it, it was it, I mean it, it was, was it was the Warriors versus the Mavs. I mean it was Steph. But it was the Warriors versus the Mavs. The Mavs got there too, playing Maxi Kleeb at center. They also didn't have an option. They had no to go, center. They didn't they didn't have an option though that made sense to go big. They didn't have a Right, I know. Any, I mean they didn't have anybody. They didn't. Maxi Kleba, that was it. Mm-hmm. And it that was their up, choice. And then he's not a big. Like Kleba, Kleba's best role was winning right. defense. Well, and that ran out too. You know what I mean? By the time it got to Golden State, they got offensive rebounded to death mm-hmm. because they just couldn't get the, you know, even when they got the stop, they couldn't get the ball back. Let me ask you about the uh, other trade that we have not spoken about yet that happened after we last recorded, which is the Brogdon deal. Malcolm Brogdon going to, Boston. I feel like that's a big one that probably hasn't gotten as much talk. I'm aware of his lack of availability in the past that has uh, that has certainly changed people's minds about Malcolm Brogdon. That being said, if we're doing pie in the sky and we envision a healthy Malcolm Brogdon, which might be uh, you know a bit a bit of a stretch. Um, to me, I thought this was a great deal for Boston in terms of what they gave up and what they possibly got. To me, that's the kind of risk well worth taking because you try to keep the kid healthy as much as you possibly can. You know when he is healthy, he's really good. You know that playoff basketball many times becomes half-court basketball, and I think he feel, fills a real need that they had last year. And again, I look up and I say, all right, I gave up guys that weren't playing for me. When, <laughs> when the going got the toughest, these were unplayable players, and that's what I gave up. So I don't know, man. I really like the Brogdon deal. What about you? I love it for Boston. Like he's mentioned the lack of availability, some of the long-term health concerns with the foot and all that. True. But Brogdon's a damn good player, man. 
Like he he's just one of those connective pieces. Good passer, high IQ, knows how to play. He's gonna fit right into that system quickly, just like Derek White did last year. And Brogdon's a better creator, a better shooter, a better scorer, and he can defend, you know, in their system. So I think for Boston, adding his ball handling presence, uh, I, I believe there is a report out there that they view him as the sixth man coming off the bench. Um, so you're upgrading from Peyton Pritchard with Brogdon. Like, I, I think for the Celtics giving up what they did, which was a 2023 first, Neesmith, Tice, and then, you know, salary fill in that deal. Like, it, it's a, it's a grand slam deal for Boston in the sense that it's good value adding Brogdon, which fills a need for that roster. I love it for the Celtics. Feels and, very Haywardy though, in terms of the role that he'll play. And no, and I'm talking about in Charlotte, where it's like, wow, this guy, look how good this team is when this guy is playing. And their record with Hayward has been great. Look how good that team is when Gordon Hayward plays. But Gordon Hayward gets injured and Gordon Hayward stays injured. And what the hell were you expecting? That's the only downside to this, in my mind, right? Is that you look up and you go, wow, the the guy that has never stayed healthy isn't available for him. Surprise, surprise. Like, that's the real legitimate risk. And that is exactly why they were able to attain him for what seems like meager return. What do you think on Neesmith? You know, he came in that one time during the playoffs and blocked those shots and was <laughs> like high energy. And all I can remember is when it came to that draft, I talked to an NBA GM uh, after Memphis drafted Desmond Bain. And I said, what do you think about this? An opposing team, yeah. And he said, uh, the two best shooters that we saw were the kid from Vanderbilt, Neesmith, and Bain. He said, that's, uh, that's what I'll tell you. Like, I think those are the two best shooters in the entire draft. He got drafted to a place that is not, was not, I mean, you're playing two awesome guys 48 minutes a game, and he's not necessarily a natural fit with them. Um, but what do you think on Neesmith? Just still way too early to tell? Do you think there's a chance Neesmith becomes a really significant player in the league? Like, I guess that is the one piece of that that is fascinating to me. He said um, in his Exeter interview, he said it's mental, like the the lack of success shooting. Mm. Um, you know, I forget the exact comment. I'm paraphrasing here, but I remember him saying something like, I just need some time off, weeks off. Take take a step away from the game, you know. He's like, I'm still confident in my shot, but I need to, you know, just take a take a mental break to get back to doing it at a high level. And you would hope, you know, someone who might be putting too much pressure on themselves and anxious on the floor, um, that like it's not not like a too big of a stage type of thing. Because he, you know, he shot the lights out in college. We know that guy's got a flamethrower. You remember that was such a weird year. I did make excuses for some of that class, where it was like. Bro, I mean, your college season got canceled. There was no weird, weird no draft, like the draft workouts were weird. The summer league situation was absolute, you know, it, training camp sucked. And it was like, <laughs> I mean, all of it was, it was a hard time to come into the league. That And also, like, I think that year in Vanderbilt, that was the empty gym year, if I remember mm. correctly. Or, yeah. or maybe the year that no no that was 1920. So no, it wasn't. 1920 was his last year of Vanderbilt. So that was when the season was canceled. 
Yeah. So it was full gyms for him. But I mean, they didn't even play like out. SEC tournament. Remember, they all showed up to the SEC tournament and then they were like, yeah, okay, we're not playing yeah. this. That's wild. Like, that was conference tournaments all got canceled. That's crazy. That day. But I'm just saying, like, what a time. Everything about those kids, some have obviously overcome it, but everything about those kids coming into the league and their whole situation with the yeah. draft and the draft workouts and the summer league, I mean, That's it's tough. easy to forget just how friggin' weird that all was. And then the next year was a bubble year, and then it was another non training camp weird year. So there's some of these guys that got drafted like around then that I still like think, man, if anything, if there's going to come a time where everything starts to get like legit normal and normalized. And we may see some of these guys pop off that have not yet, because this has all just been a whirlwind for what, 20 months. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine trying to, you know, been hard enough living with something stable going on in my own life. Like, imagine if you were like go from leaving college to becoming a pro, but being indoors and wearing a mask all the time while you're trying to do all of this at the same time and take on a new life. And it's like, and also you're 19, oh, 20 years old. I know. <laughs> and you have all this new money Tom. in your life. <laughs> and I, now some of them may just not make it, but I'm saying if there was ever somebody young players that deserve excuse to me it's them yeah because we were just talking before we went on the air today about going out to vegas for summer league it's the first time i've been in three years i went last year you did for a yeah, minute I did. Yeah, yeah not for long right no i don't think so i days. think i went for like two nights or something like that yeah and so it's the first time in a long time that uh that i've been out there but last year it was still like masks, no parties, no get-togethers, no, you know. It, Delta had just like, like that was like the capital of Delta. Remember that? Yeah. Like right before yeah, yeah. we were about to go, I canceled my trip because they were like, yeah, it's the capital of Delta, like in the world. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I remember. Uh, like I got old parents, man. Walking, I ain't trying to. Walking around, walk around the casino, I remember. <laughs> I don't feel bad saying this, but the only person I remember not wearing a mask was like Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Yeah, that last August. That's that's what I remember. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Yeah, but now, but this year is going to be much different. Nobody's going to be wearing masks. Yeah, this right. Year. It's going to be I mean, not, no, not not. I shouldn't say nobody. There will be people wearing masks. Well, we are going to be out there later in the week for NBA Summer League. What are you most excited? Who are you most excited to see? Friends. Friends. <laughs> what about you, basketball? You, ones? you, yeah. you. <laughs> what about basketball? Our, ones? our producer Jesse. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be out there. Matt Dollinger get to meet him, my editor, for the first time in person. <laughs> You've never met your editor. I've never met Matt Dollinger in person. No. I, I mean, no he, I mean, he got Matt got hired during the pandemic. I think. I don't think. It, I don't think he got hired. If he got hired before the pandemic, it was shortly before. Oh, that it is crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, I don't like, dude, the ringer hired a lot of people the last couple of years. Wow. A lot of people wow. that have never met in person. And a lot of them will be out there for sure. All right. How about basketball? Oh, basketball. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. Oh, that's what Vegas is about. <laughs> you know what's crazy? <laughs> what? Not the highest guy. I was, uh, or th that I was on in the draft. 
thought you were I saying something be, else just there. I might be most interested to go out of my way to see Chet, though. Yeah, Chet. Really? OKC, I think yeah, yeah. he might be the guy. Like, I kind of feel like I, to me, he's got so much more intrigue than Paolo, Jabari, Jaden. Like, I feel that Keegan Murray went off over the weekend in the California summer. Big game, yeah. Yeah. So, but a lot of those guys, like, I've I've been really confident about. And I'm not saying that, I've never said that I think Chet's going to stink. I'm just saying, to me, there was a, there, there's more questions about him and what he's going to look like uh, on an NBA court and how it's going to hold up over the years than the others. That's just my opinion. So, I think he might be, like, my greatest source of entry. Like, I just want to see it in person and see what he looks like against summer league rosters, which are, yes, it's not the highest level of competition, but I do think summer league changed too, where the, the competition is greater and the players keep getting better and better. And there's a lot of guys that now play summer league that are trying to fight their way into the league. Um, and so I'm interested in seeing him. I think he's the one that I would probably go out of my way for. Saturday night, Chris. Chet versus Jabari Smith. Monday night, Chet versus Paolo Bencaro. Amazing. Those, those are the first two games on OKC's summer league schedule. So we, we get to, you know, kill two birds with one stone with those games. You get to watch Chet, but you also get to watch Jabari Smith. You get to watch Chet. You get to also get to watch Bencaro. So, and you know those guys are yeah. all going to go at each other. Oh, they they sh- they better. Yes, they better. I want to yes. see them matched up. I don't. You want- know what's crazy? I think the last time I was at summer league was Zion. Oh, that was the Zion year. Remember me and you watched with uh, Titus and Tate. Yeah, Zion. I think it was. That's the last time I've been to Vegas summer league. Was the Zion year. I remember when that earthquake happened. I, I didn't. I didn't feel the earthquake because I was hustling out of the arena. Like I was like in a fast, brisk walk, moving out of the arena because the, oh the train. Because I needed. I needed to rush back to my hotel to record an emergency podcast with Chris Ryan. I think it was. It was a on the Paul George earthquake. Co-op. Yeah, and I didn't feel it because I oh, was. I, I was moving. I was hustling, and I, I felt like the last tremor. I remember outside. It was like, what is that? But that yeah. was all. We had come back from the arena, and I was with my producer, and we ran into Jaron Jackson's dad, who played 13 years in the NBA, Jaron Jackson Sr. And he was like, have you guys eaten? We are like, no. He's like, I'm going to go into this pizza place. So we go into this pizza place, and it's like bar stools. It's at the Aria. It's a good pizza place. Anyway, the whole damn thing starts shaking. Like, I'm on a bar stool, and, like, everything gets, like, super wobbly. And like you could see, there's like this big like apron that's like hanging down in the in the deal, like a curtain that's hanging down in the pizza place, and it's like swaying back and forth. And I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" He was like, "That's an earthquake." He knew we me we had never been in one either, and he was like, "It's an earthquake." And I was like, "Are we gonna die? Like, what is going?" It lasted a long time too. It's a scary one. I remember it registered like seriously. Yeah, um, it was a big one. It didn't it shoot out the lights. Yeah, and, and the and jumbotron, the jumbotron shook. Yeah, dude, that ain't it. That ain't it. Yeah, not an earthquake guy. No, <laughs> no. 
No. <laughs> I like things I can hide from. Yeah. Right? Like a storm or something like that. Like I can, at least I can feel like I'm huddled up in a corner safe. What do you, what do you have there down there in Tennessee? Like tornadoes? Do they have those down Lots. there? Lots. Oh, that's terrifying. See, I, I've never, I, I'd get scared being in those. Hide. Oh, you, can't, you can't hide from those, can you? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you can drive get away. used to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But just like you get used to earthquakes, I suppose. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever get used to that. I don't want any part in of the, it. In the Northeast, you get used to the snow and the inclement yeah, weather. Now that I think about it, Zion is the last time I've been to Summer League. Wow. That's crazy. When he, when oh he, my God. Remember when he ripped the ball away from Kevin Knox and they dunked it? Do I remember it? Yeah. It said everything about what was going to happen with Kevin Knox. Yeah, and that also caused the earthquake. It was, yeah. Dude, that was so hardcore. It's like yeah. He only played that so many minutes. I know. He played like four minutes. <laughs> that was the most, give me that ball, bitch. Like, yeah. I mean, it was, it's my I ball. Mean, just <laughs> snatched it from him and... Knox is just standing there like, what just happened to me? And I'm like, okay, I'm out on Knox. It's over. It's done. <laughs> you, you think we get a moment like that in Summer League? Chet just ripping the ball. I just saw somebody signed him. Who was it? Somebody just signed Kevin Knox. Seriously. Kevin Knox Minnesota? signed with um, Detroit, right? Oh, yeah, the it was Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. Let's go. Pair him up with Killian. You, don't you remember I'm a Pistons fan now? Yeah. I love Cade. They got Cade. They got Ivy. They got Bagley. They paid Bagley. They got Isaiah Stewart, who I'm going to become best friends with because I don't want to be his enemy. Um, I like Sadiq Bay. Yeah, they got some good players on that team. They got some real they players. Do. Yeah, they got some players. Killian. They're going to be, I, I, I got a feeling they're going to be my league pass team. How about Killian Hayes? Yeah, Killian Hayes. Yeah, Killian Hayes. Always man. rooting for him. Yeah, thank you. Doctor defense, <laughs> and I'm now rooting for Bagley too. We're, yeah. we're together, Chris. We're Pistons guys. You know, we got bitched at all last season. Like, what are you guys going to talk about the Pistons? We Don't love worry. the Pistons. We're talking and about more, it this more year. To come. <laughs> more gonna, to come. Hey, well, see, usually the games I'm watching uh, regularly come on at seven o'clock. So I always there's every year there's somebody I watch at six. They come on at six central a lot, and so obviously Charlotte was a big one for me because I love that announcer and I like watching LaMelo and that team was pretty fun. Um, last year was Cleveland. Loved watching Garland and Mobley. Always root for old friend of the pod, uh, JB Bickerstaff. And I like to see him be successful. But this year, I think it's going to be Detroit. I think that's going to be my sixth central team. Mm. Like of that first slate of games that comes on, I think I'm going to find myself watching them more than I like it. More than the others. Right? I like it. Because the Knicks come on, and I didn't really care about it. Brooklyn. You know, a lot of those, this, whatever the 7 Eastern, 6 o'clock Central games are. You, you know who? You know one other player? I mean, there's just since you mentioned the Pistons with Jade and Ivy. How about Benedict Matherin with the Pacers? Turn I'm, up. I'm, I'm looking, to watch, looking forward to watching him in Summer League, but also during the season, Matherin with Halliburton. I mean, come on. That's going to be good basketball to watch. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Who else do they draft? The Pacers draft anybody else? They usually, yeah, right? If you got a high pick in the first round, you usually got a high pick in the second round. They have another one. They they drafted um the Gonzaga point guard second round. I think they landed him. Oh, Neymar. Uh, knee, uh, knee, man, knee. I can't remember. Now, how do you pronounce it? I, I, I want to hear your. I want to hear your pronunciation. Neymar. Neymar. Yeah. Neymar? Well, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> Neymar. Neymar. 
He's solid. It's kind of Tyus Jonesy. Right? Just kind of run the team. I know he had a crap game there at the end against Arkansas, but I remember him. He's a good, just solid player. I thought he was good. Uh, all right, so maybe that'll be a pretty fun watch too. Certainly, I would like to see Matherin also. And and for for what it's worth, it's it's Nimhard. Nimhard. I was close. I I don't I don't know names. I have no idea. How that to was that was not that right, far no, off. Uh, yeah, Nimhard, Nimhard. Yeah, we're, we're good. It was close enough that Bill Simmons would be jealous of my pronunciation. <laughs> 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 all right thank you to our executive producer jesse lopez as always all three of us jesse kevin and myself will all be out in las vegas get to meet uh, jesse in person for the yeah, first time I'm never met jesse in person yeah. so uh it's going to be the get together of all get togethers um and we'll be out there for friday's episode uh live from las vegas kevin uh jesse i will see you guys out in vegas on friday hell yeah see you in vegas 